It's time to shake up that paradigm. Welcome to Infinite Banking Radio. What's up, everybody? Thank you uh, for joining us on another episode of Infinite Banking Radio. This is Patrick Donahoe. I am joined by my favorite guest in all of the world, Bradley Gibb. Brad, what's up? What's up, buddy? Honored to be here and be called your favorite. Brad, you, yeah, you, well, you, uh, you've had quite a few months, Brad. You've, uh, you've had quite the, uh, the, the procreation mentality lately. How many, how many kids do you have? Like ten, five, we, ten? We, no, we are, we're expecting our fourth. Oh, okay, got it, got it. Fourth of an undetermined number amount. <laughs> we're making it through. <laughs> You're handling it very well. You're handling it very well. You know, going off with three, four hours of sleep is not, uh, is not, very, not very easy. All right, so today we have, uh, we have an interesting topic. This is something that we have uh, thought, th- thought quite a bit about. And what we decided to do is actually do a YouTube series on it. And the YouTube series is basically going to deal with a lot of the numbers behind uh, a topic that is not on a lot of people's mind, but eventually is going to be, which is, uh, which is college, which is um, post-high school uh, education and, and some of the, the, the very overwhelming problems that exist right now. And so what we're going to do on YouTube, not, not on the podcast, but on YouTube, we're going to do a three-part series that's going to discuss a lot of the numbers behind um, why college these days is very expensive, why it's costing so much, and why the, the economics of actually graduating and then subsequently getting employment, the numbers just don't make sense. And if you were to look at it from a, an economical point of view and look at the rate of return on on into college education, it's just not there. So we're going to go through this three-part series and talk about some of the solutions, becoming aware of what you can start to do with kids that you know are not even in high school yet, some things you can do to help shift their paradigm, shift their mentality, and start to think a little bit differently about alternative education or just doing the traditional kid, uh, education a different way. So let's, let's kind of get into to some of the problems, Brad. I think with, with most, most of uh, the individuals that we talk to, uh, most have children, mo- most have families, and, uh, and are families that are just kind of preparing uh, for, for college. And looking at their, I guess, being naive to, to what's coming down the pipeline, um, where, where do you see some of, the, some of the questions or some of the feedback you've had from, you know, from people that you've talked to in relation to what their plans are and what their expectations are uh, and then what reality is? Yeah, so many of our clients are wanting to do what they feel is the right thing, provide for their kids. It's not a, it's not bad. It, it's, it comes from a very good desire to mm-hmm. want their kid, want the best for their kids. And the question becomes, uh, are we, I mean, really it centers around, are we going to be able to afford it? And a lot of our clients just assume that they can, not necessarily having planned out a, a plan of attack to, to achieve it. They just assume because it's something that they want to do that it's going to happen. Well, that, and I think that's I think that's one of the biggest problems that there's this expectation out there that you you have to go to college. Okay, that that's just this one one of these necessities in life. And I think that there has been some, you know, perpetuation by our political leaders that have said everybody goes to school, everybody and that is just I, I think that's I think it's wrong because it's giving kids that ne- shouldn't necessarily go to school um, a false sense of where they need to take their lives. And it's destructive. Yeah, and it doesn't allow anybody to distinguish because what comes next? So if everybody has to get a bachelor's, now the people that want to distinguish them have to get a doctorate. Yep. Then the, the rhetoric is gonna be everybody has to get a doctorate. And yep. so it was never designed for everybody. Mm-hmm. It was for a very specific purpose, and mm-hmm. that's another thing that you want to look inside and say, what is the purpose? What do we want to for them to achieve? Yeah, and, it, and it's interesting. We have, you know, there's a neighborhood neighborhood kid Chester that uh, 
that works here part time. He'll work here, you know, full time during the summer. Um, but I, you know, I, I talked to him and I, you know, just to, just to see if he, you know, what, what his mentality is, what he's been given as far as an expectation. And it's it's the same thing. He wants to he wants to go to college. And I said, why do you want to go to college? Well, that's what I'm spo- supposed to do. That's where it really led. And I and I started going on the you know the path of of, uh, of of finances, which is what do you what do you think you know life costs? What do you think a good salary is? What do you think that um, you know what do you think you need to support a family in, in the future? And then we started to go off on you know those dollar amounts. And then I started to get into you know what he does for us, which is a lot of video production, a lot of things with uh, the computer. And he's a great graphic uh, graphic artist or an up and coming graphic artist. He won some awards. And I basically said, listen, here's some services on the internet that you can provide. And all you have to do is, you know, one, two, three of these deals per month. And you make double what a, what a teacher makes. And all it is is providing this type of service online. And I asked him, what type of degree do you need to do that? And, and, there's, not, and there's not one. Yeah, never once will they ask for your credentials, likely. They want, the credential is the product you deliver to them in so many cases that people don't understand if you can create it yourself. Yeah, and I think, I think going kind of down that path, there's this if you don't have a degree, if you don't have that piece of paper on the wall, somehow your your resume isn't built as strong. Somehow you're you're not valuable to to an employer. And I think that's the wrong way of, of thinking about things. So instead of going, you know, kind of off on a tangent there, let's let's kind of go into some of the other problems that, that exist. I think the one that's staring us in the face is the amount of outstanding student loans that there there are currently. Uh, so all all student loans that have been given by by banks, the government, uh, et cetera, is almost at uh, one one trillion dollars. So mind-boggling. What, it's it's in it's in it's insane. I mean, a trillion. It's become so you know such rhetoric. But people even you know go Google what is a trillion dollars, and and there's some you know some infographics on the internet that'll show you you know a hundred hundred dollars bill hundred dollar bills stacked, and you know what a, what a, tr- a million is, what a billion is, and then what a trillion is, and it's it's really. It's mind-boggling, but anyway, at a trillion dollars, this student, lo- you know, this student loan debt has come from from people basically using, you know, using uh, financing to to go to school. So what's wrong with that picture? Yeah. So if we go back and understand the economics of this, it, it comes back to supply and demand. Available student loans, because our government officials and our parents are wanting to push everybody into college and make that available, has dramatically increased supply. So we have more students chasing a relatively fixed number of seats. So give, maybe give me another economic example of why a price would go up of, of something that's, that's scarce, but yet there's a huge demand of it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a, a classic example in the world of economics is a bottle of water. Like right now, sitting in your comfortable house, a bottle of water isn't worth very much to you. But if you're in the middle of the desert and it's the only bottle of water, it's going to be almost infinitely valuable to you. So depending on, on again, scarcity and availability is going gonna, is gonna to change the perceived value of the good to you. So, so as in relation to, to education, it's becoming somewhat, it is a scarce commodity because there's mm-hmm. only a finite amount of teachers, um, but you're having this expectation, number one, which is creating a, a big supply. So the expectation is you need to go to school. Okay? You're expected that once you graduate, you, you go, once you graduate high school, high school, you go to College. college. Okay, so that in, by nature, you know, by by default, creates a bigger a bigger demand. Now, not all families are in the financial position to be able to afford college. So, what else increases that supply? The the availability of, of student loans. So, those that aren't financially able to qualify, there's subsidized loans uh, and programs available to allow them to have the financial means that they don't really have. Yeah, and I think. One thing that's been that's been kind of uh, kind of interesting. First off, there's a there's a book that I've referenced. We actually had the author on here uh, probably about a year about a year ago. But um, but Barry Dyke and he wrote a book. He wrote two books. Uh, but his second book, uh, Pirates of Manhattan Two, deals a lot with you know th- there's a couple of sections on on this subject, which are these 
universities that have sprung up that, that handle individuals that couldn't necessarily get into state schools or private universities. And these are your DeVries. These are your, you know, maybe I'm going to get sued for University this, but University of Phoenix, of Phoenix uh, um, Grand Canyon University. I mean, you go on, there's ton, tons of that. And it's a huge business. So what's happening out there is there's basically kids that have been given that expectation but didn't necessarily do well in, in high school and are basically said, Here, here's here's how you can get a degree. You can get a degree in 18 months. You can get a degree in two years and yada, yada, yada. So they get, they get interested. They're, their interest is peaked because, again, there's the expectation. Their interest is peaked because, hey, I couldn't do it the traditional way. I can go through DeVry. I can do this. I can do this. I can get my degree. So they call up. And then the financing gets gets set up, and there's hey, we can get we can cover this, we can cover this, we can cover this. But in Barry Dyke's book, it talks a lot about the dropout rate. Okay, that most most kids that you know sign up for these types of universities drop out within the first within the first year, and they have that burden of of student loan debt over their head. Now, what's wrong with that picture? Okay, what's wrong with that student loan debt? What characteristics does it have that most other loans uh, do not have? Yeah, and, and one step before that, the first problem with it is they were sold the idea that you're not going to have to pay for your school because you're going to get a student loan, and then when you graduate, your increased income yeah, we'll from your you job your will help you pay it off. So it'll never be a burden, and it'll only be a benefit is the first way it's sold. And then back to your specific question of what's different about it is those loans, once incurred, can never be discharged. So if it was a mistake or something happens, unlike a car loan or a business loan or something that can be discharged through bankruptcy, mm -hmm. you cannot do that on a student loan. Yeah. There is no escaping that repayment. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because I think, you know, the marketplace is the marketplace, and it's, it's, a, it's a free market in a sense, and, you know, that's capitalism, right? Because right, right now you have these universities that spend a lot of money uh, buying leads, and they buy leads, and they give it to a call center, and the call center calls the, this potential student up and gets them to sign up for student loans, even though they might not be the right fit for this specific university. But nonetheless, I mean, I think there's some, you know, there's a lot of uh, practices out there knowing that there is a very high... Uh, fallout ratio, it still continues to be perpetuated and it's getting out of control. Yeah. So it, it's not about the student's success necessarily, it's about body counts signed up and into the program. You got it. So I think now looking at how the market typically clears bad bad products, bad processes, bad services, okay, we're, we're going to see some sort of clearing with, with student loans and, and with just education in general. Okay, so what are some of the things that we're seeing right now that are potentially going to be solutions to this problem? Well, the, the first solution that popped up was a good one. DeVry was a great one. It was online. It allowed working people to go back and get a degree. I think that was a, a very good idea. The student loan has kind of perverted that idea of, of, the, of, of what the result ends up being. But I think that was a, at least a good start to, to a solution, not the traditional classroom. Because the, the the restriction on supply really centers around you can't prop up a university that's accredited that has a hundred years worth of history and alumni and boosters and football programs yep. overnight because yep. there's notoriety behind a diploma and what type of school it is and yeah. what type of you know what what the name is on the diploma exactly and those can't come about overnight so a fast solution to get something up and going was well yeah we don't have a name but it does say bachelors of science mm -hmm. and that has enough to get you into to an interview yep. so that uh, that was that's kind of the first wave of solution. And I'm not saying that these universities are not work because it work it works in it works to a degree. Yep. Okay, and it's kind of going in the right direction. Yep. So beyond that, uh, you had actually mentioned to me. I think you're going to talk about this in in a minute. That the virtual education that's now popping up, the ability for you to either self educate 
Um, but again, you're missing the piece of paper. And I guess there are now several universities that are doing a, either online substitutes for some of their classes or entirely online programs. You know, I think the, the virtual education really you know, hit, hit me uh, this year more than any. Because I've always, we, we glean a lot of what we do as a, as a company from other services that are online. The first one that, that allowed us to start using a tablet PC a number of years ago, uh, which, which is illustrating actual concepts, drawing them out, using different colors, using audio, and having a kind of a virtual whiteboard, uh, was Khan Academy, which is K-A, or K-H-A-N. You can Google that on uh, and, and find a whole uh, YouTube channel that illustrates, and it's, it's amazing what he does, but he's able to take you know, the algebra difficulty in the equation. He, he looks at geometry and physics and uh, economics and all other different you know, types of you know, em empirical type of uh, studies, and he goes on to you know, his a little computer, he draws everything out, records it, posts it on, on YouTube. And it's become an in, in, you know, incredible resource for teachers because you can just play it, rewind, play it, rewind, play it, rewind, until you actually get, okay, this is how the quadratic thing or whatever. It's been a while since I've been doing that stuff. But no, it's, it's a fascinating way in which people can, can learn. So I've always mm -hmm. been a proponent of, of virtual education. Uh, but like I said, this year, it's hit me um, stronger than other years because my, my oldest daughter, who uh, was in second, well, is, they only have a week left of school, but in second grade, had a teacher that just rubbed me the wrong way. And just with some of the things that Hannah would bring home with her as far as what she was saying and also just my interactions with, with the teacher. So it led me to really look online and see if there's other resources that will help supplement that, that education. Um, and, there's, and there's quite a bit out there. And so it, I, think, I think we're going in that direction because we're continually being dissatisfied with the school, public school systems. We're dissatisfied with the amount of money we pay versus what we get in return. It's not a good return on investment, but there's really no... What's the alternative? So here in Utah a couple years ago, there was a, a fascinating debate on a voucher system, which was allowing individuals to take a voucher because they paid their property taxes, take the voucher and actually go to a charter school or go to another school and use their tax money to pay the tuition. And what that would have done, it would have created competition. And competi competition right now with private schools doesn't really exist unless you have a lot of, a lot of money or you want to homeschool. But if there were these alternatives, now public schools would have to compete with these schools and have to hire new teachers, do new curriculum, change this and change that. Whereas right now, they really are not held to uh, much of a standard in relation to free markets. Now, there's standards. Don't, I mean, there's standards that are set by the federal government, standards set by the state governments. I'm not talking about that, but standards set by just, you know, Free market education, free free market competition. Yeah, or what, what the what the clientele want, what we as parents want our kids to be taught. There isn't, you don't have a say. Yes, you can reach out to your representative, who will reach out to his and his and up the chain. But really, you don't have a very much of a direct influence over it. No. Nope. Yeah. But me, what I did for this summer is I looked and you know, I started researching, and there's a lot of virtual summer schools, virtual classrooms, and it's and it's fascinating. And I think with the DeVries and with these other universities that have started, they're on the right path. I think you can go onto YouTube right now and you can learn. So you can learn how to change a tire. You can learn how to um, make uh, homemade root beer with uh, dry ice, which I did a few, few weeks ago. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things you can go to and learn by yourself. It's a self self learning. So I think what this is doing is really, you know, putting technology at the forefront of, of the solution. And so I think that once you have accredited, uh, accredited universities, ones that have notoriety, such as your state universities and so forth, create these virtual degrees. Um, that's when you're going to start to see a shift, and you're already seeing it right now. Um, I was talking to an individual last weekend who um, was telling me about some state school that had a an IT degree that you can get online in a very reputable university. An IT degree you can get 
100% online for like $7,000 a year. So I think this is going to be the solution. But this is, the I think, where the, what the traditional solutions are going to be. Let's say that nothing did change. What are some things that you know parents can do right now to, to start to shift their shift their focus, shift their paradigm to to maybe teach their kids different or look into alternatives. Yeah, so if if we're gonna assume that education is gonna continue as it has been, which we should probably plan to some extent that it will, because this shift is gonna take a long time. It took a hundred years to build the system, it's not gonna go down overnight. Nope. So we do need to plan for that. So helping people plan for that comes into really laying a plan for how it's going to be paid for how it's going to be, what expectations are going to be set, and what's going to be accomplished with it. Mm. So I think one one thing, and this is going to be evident on on uh, the first YouTube video, is, is the actual data behind behind the problem. And this is going to help you help help individuals see that they need to, even if their kids are five years old, six years old, seven years old, they need to figure out a way to change that paradigm right now. So in that first video, it's going to talk about. Um, for four, four children between the, uh, between the ages of 10 and four, four kids, that right now for $25,000 a year uh, college tuition, they would have to have about $400,000 in a bank account earning 5% a year, or would have to save just over $30,000 a year earning 5% until their kids went to school. Okay, I know go to the go to YouTube to see those numbers, it. but it shows that those that dollar amount that gets outlaid in children's education has an opportunity cost about $100,000 for parents' retirement. And that's $100,000 for uh, per year for 20 years in retirement. That's a significant number. And I think the reason behind us putting those numbers on YouTube was to give this crap, I need to do something type of type of thought. And hopefully this is, you know, enough pain to start thinking a little bit different. And that's the kicker is if you feel that you can forego $100,000 of retirement income by all means pay for your kids' education the traditional way. Mm-hmm. But if that amount of money being taken out of your retirement is unsettling, you need to go and watch the YouTube videos and walk through and understand why that is and what the mechanics are behind it. And the, the solution that we'll provide helps mitigate or reduce as much of that as, as possible. Yeah, and I think, so watching that, getting the awareness, and then starting to figure out ways in which you could solve the problem. If you have young kids right now, you're, you have time on your side. You have time to, to teach them. And start to set their expectations. If the expectation was, this is, you know, you're not necessarily gonna have all school paid for. Um, maybe two years, maybe your master's degree, maybe you do two years at a community college and then get really good grades and get a scholarship and go um, at that point. We have a guy in the office, Justin, who, who his kids are about to go to college. And because of some of the expectations he set, they, they know that, hey, if I get a scholarship, school's paid for me. And I can get an academic scholarship. I can get a, a a sports scholarship. There's a lot of things you can do in advance, and there's other other scholarships as well that they're they're private. But a person being aware of it right now will at least be able to prepare themselves to take advantage of those resources when the time comes to pay for education. Another thing too is there's just just the education of of your children in general. Are all kids meant for college? No. no. Okay. There are you know some of the most amazing contraptions that exist. Uh, are they were created by non-college graduates. Okay, a college degree doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to be valuable to the world. Oftentimes, a college degree will prevent you from being valuable to the world because it's pushing you down a path, which Putting is the whole box. Yeah, it's the whole cliche, you know, round peg, square hole, uh, square mm. hole or square whatever. Peg, round hole, whichever <laughs> one it is. <laughs> so setting, you know, setting the expectation, expectation right now, which 
hey, it develops the the artistic side of you. If you're huge into um, you know computers and you know, look look at things that would allow you to do what you love and be in an industry that you wouldn't get bored of after you know after a couple of years. What are some other What are some other alternatives? Well, and and that's the thing that the number of alternatives is. It's endless. It's yeah. endless, yeah. really. And that's really the exciting thing about infinite banking is, is it's not – there isn't one solution. It's, mm-hmm. it's a way of thinking and a way of understanding and having access to a set of tools mm-hmm. that you can fix the problem for yourself. Uh, everybody's going to do it a little bit differently. Everybody's going to teach it differently. But it, it really comes down to, A, understanding what the problem is and then having the resources or, or the tools or the system available to, to attack it, however that – ends up being um, one of them that I just talked to a client about he made a, a, a statement that stuck with me when he was saying he, he wanted to help plan for his youngest kid to, to go through dental school and he said it's going to cost about $300,000 and so my first question to him was are you planning on paying for it or is he going to reimburse you and he says oh he's going to pay for it I would never rob him of that experience that would be worse for him than me just paying for it yep. and that is what I've always believed. But it was nice to hear somebody else say that sure. and, and, and understand that you have to earn what it is and, and value what you're going through. So his solution was he taught his kids from a young age that this wasn't going to be given to you. And if you choose to be a dentist, you have to have a plan together and how to pay that back. Yeah, I mean, the mo- yeah, the, and we've talked about this a number of times. The, mo- the money... The money doesn't exist. It's it's money represents some value that was yep. that was created. And so the father that has the three hundred thousand dollars to pay for school, that's that's him. That's that's the dad. It's the value that he created by hard work and his knowledge, his intelligence, and his value to the world. So he's ultimately giving that that value to his son. And if his son just takes the money and does whatever, and there's no contingencies or strings attached to it, he's not go- he's probably not going to value value it as much as if there were strings attached. So the whole family yeah. banking concept is is important, and you can establish it at a very young age with very insignificant transactions. We often talk about you know the first bikes and the first computers or the iPads or these little things that kids are going to want. And right now, their their perception of money is very it's very well my kids at least maybe if you get into your teenage years you sure. understand a little bit better but you know when you're in your five and six and seven right when you're out the time where you know that money can buy you things that is when it's one of the best times to actually have this type of education so it's not that you just whip out this piece of plastic swipe it and then you get stuff for it i mean if that's all that they knew then of course they're going to have a completely flawed perception of, of how you know financial transactions occur but if they are able to see okay you can get a bike you can get an ipad and they get it, they feel it, it's theirs, but there's strings attached to it, which means they need to do chores around the house. They need to help at the office. They need to clean this. They need, we have rentals that my kids help out some, sometimes. They need to do things. They need to actually create value, which in turn gets them what they want. So establishing that from an early age allows them to go into their high school years with a different mentality as far as what money is. And they know that the family has a bank. It could finance their car. It can finance their education. It can finance anything that they want in the future. However, there is always going to be a value proposition there. And I think that is more important than any college degree, more important than anything that the children can, can do as far as an edu- from an edu- education standpoint. And the profound principle you're touching on in there is you're teaching your kids if they want a bike, they can produce it. They can create it. They can't go forge steel and make a bike, but they can provide value to somebody else and they can get a bike. Mm-hmm. As opposed to the mentality of swiping a card and just receiving it. Mm-hmm. Asking you enough until you finally break down and buy it from them. That's kind of the, um, 
the, the, the production mentality versus the expectation of, of just having everything given to us, which, which really is, is at the core of a lot of the problems in our country today anyway. Oh, it's a so huge entitlement problem. Entitlement. And so that issue is if you can teach your kids to not expect things and be entitled to everything through the system, that's going to do more for their college education than anything. If they get the paper, great. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying don't go get a college education. It's just understand what real education is. And how much more valuable will it be? Because if they start to put together the pieces of what creates value, their mind, their mind thinks differently. They, they look at individuals not as commodities. They look at individuals as, as exchange. They say, okay, if money is a, is a byproduct of exchange, how can I figure out how to transact with this individual and give them enough value in which they give me you know, financial resources in return. And it helps them take what they're good at, what they love, what they're passionate about, and plug that into some sort of free market exchange. It could be an online business. It could be a, uh, a mechanic shop. It could be, there's a, there's a variety of things that come from it. I was reading a book and I, I actually gave it to a, a client of ours uh, because he's he's retiring right now and he's only 60, 60 years old. And and he, I'm like, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? I mean, are you just gonna like sit around and he's like, I'm gonna travel and I'll probably play golf. And it's like, come on, there's only so much you can of that you can do. Mm-hmm. But he he has this you know this um, amazing knowledge in regards to some medical. He's a doctor, but in regards to medical things. And so I gave him this book called Crush It by uh, Gary Vanderchuk. And Crush It is just this little hundred page book in which he basically explains how to take a very simple idea or business and get it online, how to leverage podcasts, how to leverage videos. And he, you know, he, he was, his parents are immigrants, he moved to New York City and got involved with the family liquor store. And and basically he set up this wine, you know, wine um, consortium or just this huge online wine business and became you know, multi, multi, multi-millionaire just because of ideas. All of his all of you know, his business model came from ideas. And if kids can start to generate those types of ideas from an early age, once they do get to college, once they do go to classes and see, you know, what what they're what they want to do as a profession, they will already have that, you know, pre uh, preconceived education to help them actually put the education into practice, which is insanely hard to do. That's why you have so many economics professors. Yeah, you, you, you won't have kids just muddling through an education trying to figure out what they're going to do. They're going to be go there for a purpose to get a, a, a skill set or a set of knowledge mm-hmm. so they can go and do what they want to do rather than just this forever being an education idea. Ten years getting an education because it's what they said was going to be good for them and not having any purpose behind it. And we need and we need this, dude. I mean, we the, the, wor- the country needs this. I mean, we're in such... You look at a trillion dollars of, of student loans, most of which are in default. You look at uh, the amount of you know student debt that the kids are taking on and credit card debt on top of that that they graduate with. And then you look at the amount of money they're paying for education and what they get as a, a salary in return. I mean, it's, it's, it's sad. And it's, un- it's unfortunate that individuals are not able to do the simple math to look at, wow, this doesn't make sense at all. What the hell am I doing? And I think that's going to help them I mean, by default, it, it's going to crash. I mean, it can't. It can't. It, this cannot it's be sustained. It's, it's, it's not going to be sustained. You know, it's not sustainable. Um, but I think right now, the, one of the best things that kids can can learn is just how to use their mind and how money works in our society. And that's how our society is going to change because it's all going to start with people. You can't have some rule or regulation or government law that says we need to change this. Or we need to change that. It has to start with the person. It has to start with their mind and what they can bring to to the world as far as a solution. Because we have a crap load of problems right now, mm-hmm. and whether it's the debt, the country has, whether it's our monetary situation, whether it's Wall Street, whether it's, I mean, we can list off all the different problems that we have. However, 
problems inherently have a solution and those solutions come from people and if people are more educated they're going to be able to have the ideas to create the technology to do this to do that to get us to get us through it's always been the case and so we and especially these days with with uh the y generation and how big they are the y generation is is a is massive bigger than the baby boomer generation and all of these kids have grown up with the internet they've grown up with technology and technology i think is going to be a big a big you know part a big piece of the puzzle in getting this all hopefully to to, to resolve itself but yep, yep. and it, it, it like you said patrick it comes back to the the idea of getting understanding production understanding how, how value is created exchanged and delivered uh, and then, and then being aware of where where it's going to come about through you know the technological advances that are on the horizon. So that that's the exciting part to me. That that's what what gets me excited about this whole concept is it's it's not about oh put your money here make this rate of return or do this. This isn't going to fix the problem. It's it's setting you up with the right toolkit to be able to to attack it in the way that works for you and ends up being ends up being a win. Yep. Okay, cool. Well, well, we'll wrap it up. So go and go and check out the uh, our YouTube channel. It's www.youtube.com forward slash paradigm life, and uh, you can also check it out on our blog. Uh, but stay tuned for that, and then uh, we'll have a couple of other uh, follow up videos to that um, over the next uh, next few months. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.